Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. All right, here we go. Let's jump into the word today. Are you guys ready? All right, here we go. Here we go. We are going to jump into um, talking about Romans 4. Romans 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 4. If you don't have your Bibles, pull it up from your memory. <laughs> I'm going to start shouting out verses. What does verse 6 say? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, that's, no, we're not doing that. That could go really interesting. Uh, so we are in Romans 4 today. Now, to bring you up to a little bit of a recap up to this point so that everyone's ready for stepping into what today's going to be about, um, we have talked about this idea that Paul's been laying out through uh, chapter 1 all the way through chapter 3, and that's this, is that you and I are without hope and completely hopeless without Jesus. Because of our sin that we were all born into, the penalty of that sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life given through Christ Jesus. And so Paul's been painting this picture of this idea that, that we all are in the same boat. There's none of us that are any better than anybody else. We were all born into sin. Before you, before you even had a chance to cry or do anything like pee in your dad's face when he's trying to change your diaper, before you had any... Oh, that uh, I isolated half the room. Sorry. Um, before you had the chance to do any of that, you were born a sinner. And Paul says that we have all, he uses some words here, this, uh, uses these words called um, rebel. We've all rebelled against God. We've all turned our back against God. Or, in an effort to try to be good, we've tried to live this religious life, this life of doing all the right things, of saying all the right things, of checking all the boxes, of going to church on Sunday, and, and saying all the stuff, and, and listening to your podcasts, and making sure the only music that you ever listen to is Christian music, right? Just, just make sure you do all this. And he calls this religiosity, which we also all are guilty of. We all have rebelled against God, and we all have been guilty of religiosity. But then he brings us to Romans 3. And Romans 3 is so powerful because it says that even though you've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, even though I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the gift of God was Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in Jesus, the payment for our punishment, the payment for our sins, the justification, and what makes us right before God is Jesus. The perfect life he lived and his death and his resurrection gives us eternal life. Oh, it's so good, right? It, it's really, really bleak to continue to live our life with no hope and trying to figure everything out on our own. It's really, really hopeless when you try, man, I really messed up yesterday, so I'm just going to try today to do it a little bit better. And then we never do it. I mean, maybe for a second, but it doesn't really last, right? But then what happens? There's this powerful reality that when we put our faith in Jesus, that it says that his mercies are new every morning that his grace and his love is consistent over your life every morning. That even when you sin, there's forgiveness. 
You have been justified, made right, declared free by the blood of Jesus. And this is what Paul, this is what Paul says. It's really, really cool. It's really cool for us to get to this point. Now, now last week, we talked about this idea of, of faith. And today we're going to dive into faith a little bit more and, and approach it from a little bit of a different perspective, right? Because faith, in chapter three, the entire thing was about faith. And the faith in Jesus was the faith in the one that fulfilled the law. Remember, we talked about the Old Testament, it was the law, and they were under the law. And now, then in the New Testament, the law has been fulfilled in Jesus. In his perfect life and the way he lived, all of that's been taken care of. Now, the new law is the law of faith in Jesus. The new law is the fact that I believe with all my heart that he took care of everything. And I continue to put my faith in him, right? Now, I understand, too, this is a journey, right? Some days, it's really easy for us to put our faith in Jesus. And he's my savior, he's my Lord. And other days, it's a lot harder. This is called a journey of faith, that our faith is continually something that God is working in us to grow our faith, our faith in him and our faith in his work in our life. And so it's a process. It's a process. You have a moment of faith where you put your faith in Jesus and you say that he paid the price for all your sins. And then that leads to a life of other moments where you continue to put your faith in Jesus. You look at the stock market, faith in Jesus. You look at the price of eggs, faith in Jesus. <laughs> you look at the price of gas, there's no hope. There's just no. We put our faith in Jesus in these everyday moments that we live our life in. Now today, we're going to talk about faith a little bit uh, more and in depth. And, uh, and, and Paul paints in Romans this beautiful thing about uh, the, the, the cooperation or the relationship between repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Repentance is this thing that, that as we have awareness and understanding of the sin that we do, the things that we do that take us away from Jesus, that we actually turn from those things. The, the, the Greek word here is to actually, if you're headed in one direction, it's to actually do an about face and head in the opposite direction. It's the reality that we are living for ourselves, but when we repent and turn to Christ, we are positioned to receive his mercy and his forgiveness. Okay? And then there's this element of faith. You could put it this way. This, this is a, a good way to encapsulate it. Repentance turns us from sin and faith turns us towards God, okay? Think about this. Repentance turns us away from sin, and faith turns us towards God. No longer our own life, no longer our own thing, but now we are constantly going towards God, okay? Now, the thing about faith, faith is this really interesting topic that is a little bit ambiguous, right? Because it, it, it doesn't have as many handles to grab a hold of, right? Um, it, which, by the way, is the point, right? There, there comes a point in each one of us in our lives where we, we cross the threshold of what's seen and known and what we can explain into this place that goes, I don't have all the answers, but based off of what I believe and what I read in the Bible, I'm going to take a step of faith to believe that everything God has said is true. Even if it doesn't change my immediate situation and circumstance, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. It, it's literally walking off the edge. I'm going to put my faith 
in something other than myself and something that sometimes can't be fully explained. Now, 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 as hard as faith in the Bible is to sometimes wrap our heads around, and I'm going to hopefully today give you some ideas and some ways to be able to grab a hold of this, uh, we all put our faith in things every day. We just don't think about it, right? We, we, we put our faith in the barista who makes our coffee, that they're not going to mess it up or poison us. You think I'm kidding. Has that thought never crossed your mind? I'm just kidding. It hasn't crossed mine. How about, how about this? We put faith in moving companies. There's all my stuff. Right? No, I, it's funny, but for real. How about banks? We put our faith in banks all day long. Here's all my money. Goodbye, money. <laughs> How about our senses? We put our faith in our senses that our senses will work the way that they're supposed to. We don't even think about it. We just know and we believe that they're going to work. Our bodies. <laughs> Some of us have less faith in our bodies than others. <laughs> come on. Come on, body. Why, why aren't you doing it? I had faith in you and you've let me down. Um, but we have faith in our bodies. Oxygen, right? We have this faith that when we breathe, we will breathe in oxygen and be able to actually continue to live right? What about, what about the internet? We just, we automatically think it's always going to be there and it's always going to work, right? It's these things that, yeah, it's, these are kind of silly little things, but we do actually end up putting our faith in things quite often during the day, right? But what is faith? What is biblical faith? I want to give you a little bit of a description and a definition, and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit more. But the definition is this. Faith is assurance and confidence, Belief in the trustworthiness and constancy of who or what it is placed in. It's, it's an assurance and a grounding. Not a, well, maybe. It's believing that will actually take place. Okay? This is what biblical faith is. I'm going to unpack this today, and, and Romans actually gives us this really, really cool illustration of somebody who's considered the father of the faith, and we're going to get there. But to start us out on this, I actually need a kid to help me today. Who would like to be bold and brave to help me? No, no, no. You can raise your hand. Raise your hand. Uh, we're super high, super high, super high. Okay, let's see. I can't even see. Where are the hands? Stick them up higher. Okay, there we go. You want to help? Okay, come on up. Yes, 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 yes. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. All right. Okay. Uh, tell everybody your name. My name's Naomi. This is Naomi. Everyone say hi, hey, Naomi. Hi. Naomi is awesome. All right. Naomi, come over here. Stand next to me right in this area so that everybody who's watching online, you can wave to that camera. There are millions of people watching you right now. Does that make you nervous? No? Wow, you're amazing. That's awesome. I think the dog is... Something's going on with the dog. Out in Jesus' name. I mean, we could do that. All right. I'm going to give you an illustration of faith today, okay? An illustration of faith, okay? Faith is grounded beyond what we can actually see in the natural, okay? So it's like this. I'm going to put this on your face, okay? All right. Can you see? No. Are you telling me the truth? Yes. Everybody's always like, no, I can't see. And then afterwards, it's like, I walked in a straight line because I can see. 
Maybe that's just my kids. <laughs> All right. So you can't see? Okay. So now faith is, is it moves beyond your senses to where you actually have to put faith in somebody else other than yourself to navigate in life, right? Okay. So Naomi, what I want you to do is, is in order to, to move around on the stage, I want you to actually listen to my voice a little bit and follow what I say. Okay. I want you to turn to your right, turn to your right. Now I want you to walk straight forward. I want you to walk straight forward. Good. Keep going. Keep going. Good. You're doing great. You're good. Keep going. Keep going. You have to have faith. I didn't say stop. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Stop. Stop. Good. Now I want you to turn around. I want you to turn around. Okay. And, and now I want you to move your way forward. Walk forward. Walk forward. Good. 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 I want you to keep walking forward. Turn to the right just a little bit. Right. Right. Just a little. Nope. Your other right. Your other right. There you go. Little right. Rider. Rider. There you go. Good. Good. Okay. Now stop and turn to the right. There you go. Okay, stop. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. You ready? Do you trust me? Yes. Do you think I've got, uh, do I, I'm taking care of you? Yeah. Okay, I want you just to sit down. Wow, she has a lot of faith. That was amazing. That, that, was, that was incredible. You have a lot of faith. Did you know the chair was there? No. Did you just sit because you believed me? Oh, I feel, oh, let's give her a hand. Come on up. That was awesome. You did so good. You can go sit down. Thank you. Okay. Faith is kind of like that. You can't always see what you're supposed to do. You can't see what the next step in life is, but what you're doing is you're putting faith and trust in the one who does. Naomi didn't know where she was going. She didn't know if I was walking her right off the edge of the stage, right? But she trusted that I would not let anything happen to her. Faith is the same. There's some times when God asks us to take steps of faith. Steps of faith like, like sitting. When we don't know if there's something there to support us. Okay. We don't know if there's going to be a chair there to get us. But faith says, do, do you trust yourself or do you trust him? This is what biblical faith is. It moves beyond our senses. It moves beyond this natural form, okay? Now, faith defined in the Bible is this. Hebrews 11 is the clearest definition of faith that we have throughout the entire Bible. Verse one, it says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. It's a very interesting concept here because there's some words in here that shouldn't actually be in the same sentence. Reality, hope. Proof, not seen. This is where faith comes, though. It's the crossing that threshold. Now, is there evidence of the work of God in our life that we can actually be able to follow and trust? Absolutely. But when it boils down to it, what's pleasing to God is that we have faith to actually believe him and follow after what he's saying. Faith b exists beyond our five senses. It actually can be considered a, a, a spiritual sense or a, a sixth sense. This is the next blank on your notes. There it is. There it is. Perfect. And then here's the thing about faith. It moves beyond your senses, but faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. 
Every day when you wake up, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, every day you wake up putting your faith in him. Or putting your faith in something else. It is a choice as to where you will put your faith at. And every day, this is something that we have to wrestle with. Every day, this is something as we wake up, there's a reality that we have to be able to step into to understand that we have a choice of where we're going to place our faith in every single day. Okay? Uh, the, the, there's a, a writer, Steve Shell, and he says it this way. I love this quote. Just as faith is a choice, so is unbelief. Both begin and are sustained by a decision. I decide to believe or I decide I will not believe. I decide to look for evidence of God or I decide to look for evidence that there is no God. In effect, faith and unbelief are both forms of faith and require constant reinforcing an ongoing pattern of choosing, an ongoing pattern of looking for evidence of God or evidence that there is no God. See, see, I've heard it said that, that you know, atheism is, is the, um, the, the, the lack of, of faith. No, it actually is, is full of faith as well. It's the faith that, that the belief system that there is no God. It's, it's the opposite of Christianity believing that there is a God and active in our lives, right? And so there's this thing that it's a choice that we have to make. Now, the thing about it, though, is as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, faith is required in our life. It's impossible for us to actually live this life of following Jesus without faith. Why? <laughs> because you better believe that Jesus is going to do some things in our life. He's going to ask us to do some things in our life. He's going to prompt some things in our life that are going to take faith in order to step into. It is, it is you, could, you could actually say it this way. I don't know who said this because everyone and their mom claimed quotes uh, or claim rights to this quote, so I just put unknown. But faith is the currency of heaven. It's the money system of heaven. If we want to be able to be people that are not of this world, but are of the kingdom of heaven, we need to learn how to function within the economy of heaven. Therefore, we need to also understand what it means to function with the currency of heaven, which is faith. It's to move beyond our natural understanding. Now, does the knowledge of the word and knowledge of understanding of what we know, does it feed our faith? Absolutely it does. This is what's so important about being in the word. This is why it's so important to have these things that are in our lives that can feed our faith. But if we have the knowledge with no faith, we've missed the biggest part of the whole Bible. We can't have a knowledge that doesn't motivate us to taking a step beyond ourselves. If faith is the currency of heaven, then this is true. We purchase our righteousness through the currency of faith. What does that mean? We put our faith in Jesus because that is what is required in the kingdom of heaven. And when we do that, we are made right before God. This is how vitally important it is. Hebrews 11.6 says it this way. It's so important that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We need to have faith, okay? 
Faith is really important. What do we need to have faith in? Just to recap, a lot of this is recap. I'm laying a foundation. And kids, hopefully you're grabbing a hold of this because we're going to step into an illustration today of somebody who is actually going to give us a representation of this, okay? Our faith is in the whole person and life of Jesus. Our faith is the fact that he was born of a virgin, that, that the Holy Spirit came upon, that he, he grew as a human being, fully God, fully man, lived a perfectly sinless life, shed his blood on the cross, died, and rose again and conquered that. We believe in all of these things. The fulfillment of all the prophecy in the Bible that Jesus fulfilled in his life is astounding. When you look at the prophecies of the Old Testament that all pointed towards Jesus and all pointed towards the Messiah and the Savior and how many of these, and then you look at the percentage of how, um, uh, how uh, uh, minor it would be for us in our lives to fulfill even one prophecy that was spoken to over us, the odds are astounding, right? But Jesus did all of this stuff in his life. This is why our faith has to be in who he is and what he did. We don't separate those two, Okay. So what is our faith for? Our faith is for our salvation and for our living. We need faith in order to be saved, okay? We need faith in order to, for our sins to be washed away and forgiven, right? This sounds pretty, pretty basic, but, but I, I recognize in my life, and I imagine you do too, that we need to remind ourselves of this stuff on a regular basis, because it's really, really, really easy for us to take our salvation and put it back on our shoulders, and the world teaches us all kinds of craziness about just be a little bit better, do all the right things. If you're, if you're just nice enough, then you'll make it to heaven. Kids, I got news for you. Guess what? You could be the nicest person on earth, but it doesn't get you to heaven. You, you, you might think, man, I obey my parents 91% of the time. I'm being generous. But that won't save you. It's faith in Jesus that saves you. Now, we also need the faith for living. We live a life of faith. Every moment, we take steps of faith. Now, in Romans 4, Paul gives us an example of who is called the father of the faith, who is Abraham. Kids, say Abraham. Abraham. Perfect. Who can tell me something about Abraham? Raise your hand if you know something about Abraham. Yeah, Jax, shout it. He had many children. Yes, that is, wow. You, you get an honorary bachelor degree. That was a, a spot-on answer. That was amazing. Anybody else know something else about Abraham? Yes. Yes, he trusted God no matter what. That's amazing. Anybody else? Anything about Abraham? Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Naomi. He trusted God for his son. Ooh, yes, that's good. Everyone remember the story of Isaac, Abraham and Isaac? Oof, yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. Anybody else? One more thing about Abraham. An anecdote or a note. Yes, all the way in the back. Shout it. Yeah, that he was. And did he do it? No. What happened? You got it. Yeah. That's, that's, you got the whole story. Give her a hand. That was amazing. 
She's got the whole thing. You could come and preach this. Do you want to come preach? Should come preach right up here? Okay. No? Okay. Uh, Abraham, the father of the faith, okay? Now, I'm going to give you some examples and some things that happened in, in Abraham's life because what Paul does is he says, listen, the kind of faith that we have to have is exemplified in this guy named Abraham, okay? Now, even though, and I thought, I actually did not do this intentionally, but as I was prepping notes for today, um, a lot of my, my content is not actually going to be out of Romans 4, even though that's what we're talking about. Um, it's just fitting. It just works. It, it just works. We're going to take a lot of stuff out of Genesis and Hebrews, though, because those are some of the things that unpacks a lot of what Paul talks about in Romans 4, okay? The first point of, of us of being able to understand Abraham is Abraham was saved by faith, okay? We, we've made this point before. He was saved by faith, okay? He wasn't saved by works. But wait a second, wasn't Abraham before the cross? Yes. Which shows that even back, way back then, what saved a person was faith in God, believing God. Not doing things, not acting a certain way, but believing God. It was the same currency back then as it is today. Isn't that cool? I actually really think that this is neat. I was thinking about this this week when I was thinking about Abraham. He lived thousands of years ago in a totally different time period, culture, place. Um, uh, there was less people in the world. They lived in tents, like all of the things that were different, right? But what unites Abraham and us is faith the same faith. That's really cool. As I looked then at anybody in the Bible who was attributed to them that they had faith, we are united with them in Christ because of our faith. Really cool to think about. Okay. Hebrews eleven twelve says this, therefore from one man, meaning Abraham, in fact, from one as good as dead, <laughs> he, he didn't have any offspring. He had no way of carrying on the family line came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. The, 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 the point is this, is that Abraham was somebody that in his own could not actually fulfill what God had said that he was going to do. Abraham had no children. And God says, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna, your, your kids are going to be as many as the stars in the sand. And he's going, well, there's no way for that to naturally happen, which means that it would have to be God in order to do it. And so he had faith in this, right? Abraham lived by faith. He lived by faith. He, was, he, was, he, he had this relationship with God where he walked in faith on a daily basis. And this faith motivated and had some very specific things in his life. Now, I want us to get these because I think that these are going to speak to each one of us in this room. So I want you to think about your life today. I want you to think about where you're at. And I want you to think about the faith of your life. What is God doing in your life? What is the area of faith that he is challenging you in to grow? Because Abraham lived by faith in this way. The first one, it was faith to move. Faith to move. Okay? Genesis 12, the Lord comes to him and says this to Abraham. Go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He had to have faith that even though he was in a place, listen to me, that was comfortable, a place where he was known, 
a place where he was established, he had faith to step out. We can actually miss some things that God wants to do in our life if we don't take steps of faith. We can actually be stuck in complacency and stuck in places if we hear the voice of God saying, you know what, I need you to take a step of faith and move in this way, and we don't do it. Right. Uh, I, I want to brag on Ellie for a second. Um, Ellie is someone who has always inspired me with her, with her faith. She always is, is ready to take steps of faith. That, that sometimes when you're, you're looking, it's like, is that the smartest decision? And I'm over here going, okay, all right? But she always is ready to step into moments of faith. Why? Because she's knowing it's God calling her to something. And I've always been so impressed with that in Ellie. And I know so many of you, when God puts his finger on something in your life, you move, you take a step. Here's a principle for you. God cannot direct people who are standing still. God can only direct movement. Think about it. If you're not moving, what's, what's he going to direct? It's when we start taking steps of faith, just like the blindfold, that he begins to move us, that he begins to show us which way to go. But it takes these steps of faith for us to actually be able to move forward. What's the step of faith in your life? What's the thing in your life that God is asking you to move in? Maybe it's something as practical as a business proposition, a financial proposition, an investment. Maybe it's selling a house, buying a house. What, maybe it's moving to a new place. What is it, not out of Nampa and Caldwell because you have to stay here because I really, really like you and want you in the church. <laughs> saying, but what is it that God is calling you to move? Kids, this goes for you too. God will challenge each one of you at times in your life to take steps to believe him. Sometimes it's a step to believe that he's your Lord and Savior and died on, your, on the cross for your sins. Sometimes it's that faith step that says, I can't do it but I believe Jesus did. For some of you kids, you haven't yet had the opportunity to do that. You haven't had the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus, to take a, a step of faith. It goes for adults too. I'm not excluding the adults. What are those movements of faith? Kids, another one for you. Maybe at your schools, there's somebody that God wants you to take a step of faith to become a friend to. Right. Yeah. Somebody who maybe nobody else is a friend with, but God's telling you, they, they need you as their friend. And when God says that to your life, what are you going to do? Are you going to go and start a conversation with that person and start being a friend with them? It's things like this that God does in our life to cause us to move. Now, how about this on the other side of the, of the coin? Faith to remain. 
Sometimes it is just as much of a challenge to stay put when you want to just charge forward. Sometimes God's, what God is challenging in your faith is, yeah, I know that you have a go-get-it attitude and that you'll go for it and, and you'll, you'll do whatever I ask, but will you be patient and just sit? Will, will you actually not do anything for a second and let me work in it? Boy, I tell you, for some type A's, tell you what, no, I guess got to get out there and do it. No, 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 be, be, be patient. That's not God. No, it's, it is. Faith to move, faith to remain. Genesis 12 says this. There was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to stay there for a while because the famine in the land was severe. God actually told him, listen, this is a foreign land. Egypt is not the best of places, but I want you to hang there for a bit, okay? Think about in your life. Are there some areas that God is asking you to remain in for a little bit? Not to get in a hurry. Not to get out front of his plans and his purposes. Not to push and get out in front of what God wants to do. But actually to just remain and let him guard and let him bring the pace to your life. What are those areas that he's asking you to remain? For me, um, when I graduated from, from Portland Bible College, um, at that point, I, I knew that I was going to be stepping into full-time ministry, but I didn't know what that was going to look like. And I was presented with two opportunities, actually, at the same time. One of them was to go and to become an associate pastor at a, a, a city named Centralia, which is halfway between Portland and uh, Seattle. Central. Centralia. Central. Get it? Never mind. Um, you'll get it. Uh, or there was another job offer to stay at Manor House where I was at City Bible Church at the time and to step into one of the campus pastor, children's pastor roles. And I really had to pray through this and weigh through it. And in that moment, as I continued to pray and as I continued to wait on God, the overwhelming thing that he spoke to me was stay. It's not time for you to go. It's time for you to stay. Now, I'm not saying anything about the trajectory of life or how God would have done things. I'm not God. I'm not in control. And so I'm not going to say anything like that. But I wonder what would have happened if I would have gone there and not remained? Would I have ended up here? What is God getting ready to do in your life that it requires a season of remaining first? Everyone okay? Are the wheels churning? Okay, good, 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 good. Be processing through this, okay? The next one that Abraham had, faith to fight, faith to fight. Genesis 14 passage there is when Lot was captured and Abraham actually had to go and he had to take all of his servants and they went down and they, they, they battled and they fought to free Lot. There are times in your life where God is asking you to have some faith to fight. What are some things in your life that you need to fight for? What are some things in your life that you need to not just let go by the wayside, but to actually contend for? 
Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's a child to come back to the Lord. Maybe it's a marital situation to be figured out. What is God saying? You know what? In this season, I want you to have faith to fight, not to let it go. And I'll tell you that the most powerful place that we fight as believers of God is on our knees in prayer. What are the areas that God is challenging you and saying, will you fight for this? Will you get on your knees and will you contend for that? What are those things that God is saying, I want you to fight? And finally, faith to believe. Faith to believe. Abraham had a faith to believe that what God said he was going to do, he did it. He didn't have a reason to believe God. He didn't have any evidence or proof that it was going to work out, but he believed God. Genesis 15, verse 6, very famous passage of scripture. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He believed the Lord. He believed the Lord. It requires equal faith to remain and to go all based on what God is asking in that season and what he wants you to do, okay? The next thing we understand about Abraham's faith, and this is the fun one that just really everybody just absolutely loves, is Abraham's faith was proven through testing. It was proven through testing. And just like we heard the word of the Lord delivered, Abraham's faith was tested when God asked him to sacrifice his son on the altar. And so what did he do? He went for it, believed God. His faith was being tested. Now, he didn't sacrifice his son. That's the beautiful thing of the story. God came and intervened and, and provided another sacrifice. And that, that ram was actually a, a type of, of Christ to come because of, of the power of the provision of that sacrifice. It's just this beautiful imagery that takes place in there. But Abraham moved forward without hesitating because he believed and his faith grew stronger in that moment because he was tested. You know the thing about this story that's so powerful is that the dream that was given to Abraham was the very thing in which his faith was tested through. In your life, God will quite often use the dream that he's given in your life to be the thing that he tests your faith through. Will you be willing to lay that dream down? Will you be willing to say, this is what I really want to see happen? And maybe it's even something that God has said will happen. But am I willing to lay that down so that I can actually receive Christ? It's when we lay those things down that then God can come and breathe life on them. And your, your faith is tested. James 1 says this, consider it great joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, consider it pure joy. Be happy when your faith is tested. No. (laughs) But consider it pure joy. Why? Because the genuineness of our faith is only proven through testing. How else are we supposed to know if our faith is genuine if it's not tested? How how else are we supposed to dig in and and really, really understand what God is saying if our faith is not tested? Sometimes it's like, I don't want my faith to be tested. Like, that's hard. 
have to walk through seasons of life and trials and difficulties. Like, why would I want that? Because it proves the genuineness of your faith. Testing, though, the testing that builds your faith doesn't just come through trials. It comes through patience as well. And the testing of your faith to actually patiently wait on God and wait on his plans and wait on his purposes and wait on his timing. This is where the testing of our faith grows. <laughs> this sounds so weird and messed up for me to even say this, but I, I, I say it and I, I believe it over you. I am praying, <laughs> you guys are all gonna laugh and be, I can't believe he's our pastor. Um, I am praying that for each one of you who calls One Life home that your faith is tested. Yeah. Why? Because I want your faith to be genuine. Right. Now I'm not asking for crazy trials to come into your life. That's not what I'm praying, right? So just, just go with me here. But I am praying that your faith is tested so that it can grow right. and it can mature. Because this is the thing I understand too. As our faith grows, our influence grows. The things that God opens for us to be able to do actually increase the more that our faith grows in our life. So it's something that we should desire. You don't have to like the trials, but we sure can appreciate the testing and what it does inside of us. The next thing we realize, and then we're going to get ready to close, Abraham's faith was anchored in eternity. It was anchored in eternity. Hebrews eleven thirteen says this, talking of the heroes of the faith, the heroes of the faith here, all of these heroes of the faith died in faith, listen to this though, although they had not received the things that they were promised. Think about it. The people in Hebrews that are attributed to have great faith never actually saw the fulfillment of the things done here on earth but their faith was in the future. It was in the coming. It was in the new kingdom. It was in the return of Christ. It was in Christ himself. They had, uh, although they had not received all those things, they were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. What was their faith in? Christ and the fact that he was bringing a kingdom, a future home. Realizing that everything that we have here is temporal. It's, it's not permanent. But what we're looking forward to is a reward and an inheritance that is imperishable. Where moth and rust cannot destroy. Where thieves cannot get in and take it. It's the kingdom of heaven that is coming. My question to you is this. What happens if we never see anything change in what we're believing for on this side of eternity. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't. I'm just saying if our faith is anchored in eternity, then the situations that we walk through in life shouldn't be the things that destroy our faith. It'll actually show where our faith is if the situation has more power than the one who we have faith in. Again, I believe in healing. I believe in miracles. Don't, do not get me wrong. But what happens when that doesn't happen? What happens if that does not happen until, until you stand face to face with Jesus one day? 
What happens? Abraham's faith was in something he couldn't see. It was in a future to come. I have really good news, guys. This is not it. Like, this is not the end. This is not as good as it gets. (laughs) Anybody else excited this is not as good as it gets? Going back to the very beginning, I've had faith in my body and it's let me down. I'm so excited for a new one. It's actually my fault because it don't work out. Don't always eat right. But we're not going to go into that. This is a judgment-free zone and we're going to leave that alone. But I'm so thankful that we as believers have a hope that we are looking forward to. A hope that we're looking forward to. And finally, Abraham's faith was his own. It was his own. It wasn't somebody else's faith. It wasn't his parents' faith. It wasn't the rest of his servants and his slaves. It wasn't their faith. It was, it was his faith. Hebrews 11, 8 and 9 says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for the place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. Notice this, the keys in this. He was called and obeyed. He went out. It was his faith. Nobody did it for him. Nobody, nobody, it wasn't anybody else's faith other than Abraham. Abraham actually had to move out in faith. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. There there comes a moment in life, and, and kids, one more time, listen to me here. There comes a moment in your life where your faith in Jesus becomes your own. Not your parents, not, not the home you grow up in, not, not your friends, not anybody else. It becomes your faith. And I want to tell you something, kids, that as you start to put your faith and walk in faith in Jesus, it's going to get tested. Is God real? Does he really love me? Did he create me this way on purpose? Did, did, did he really die on the cross for my sins? You start to wrestle with some of these questions. And I want you to know that those are good questions to wrestle with because what's, being ha- what's happening is your faith is becoming your own. As you learn the answers to those questions from your parents and your pastors and from the Bible, you start to understand what God's plan is for your life. And your faith becomes your own. Every single person has a moment where their faith becomes their own. It's not what somebody else says, but it's their own. So as we conclude here today, I want want to just wrap with this, with asking a question of you today. And it might not be a question for you to answer in this place, but it's an answer, it's a question to process. Kids all the way to adult, the youngest person in the room all the way to the oldest. Just going to leave that alone. Uh, There is an oldest. We don't know who it is. We don't know who it is. We actually don't know who it is. Um, The oldest to the youngest, here's the questions, okay? I want you to think about this. What is God putting his finger on in your life to grow in your area of faith? Is it faith to move? To take a step of faith to following him? Is it faith to remain? Faith to fight? 
or faith to believe. In your life, what is God putting his finger on in this moment? Are there some areas where you need to step out and move, make a decision to believe, make a decision to remain or to fight? I want you just to process those things. And and, and my encouragement would be, as you take them this week, pray through those things. Ask the Holy Spirit to actually uh, bring those to life in your life so that you can understand what he's putting his finger on in you. Because he's doing it. And kids, do the same thing. I want you to be asking God, God, do do you want me to actually take a step to make a friend, to make a decision? Maybe it's a step of faith to actually obey your mom and dad more than you have before. I mean, I'm just saying. It's one of the laws in the Bible. (laughs) Maybe the step of faith is to remain, to stay, to plant. I won't belabor it any longer. I think you get the idea, right? Here's what I want to do. I want to pray to finish out, and then we're going to dismiss and go on with the rest of our day. Does this make sense? You got something out of this? Okay, wheels churning, I'm sure. Wheels are churning and processing, which is good, okay? Um, here's what I want to do. At the end of this service, at the end of every service, we, we, I want to give you an opportunity, if you're someone here who would like to today make a decision to really take a step of faith to believe, to take a step of, to believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, to put your faith in him, to believe that when he died on the cross for your sins and when he shed his blood on the cross, that it was for you and that you are forgiven and that you are cleansed and you have new life in him. I want to give you the opportunity today to put your faith in Jesus. And the way that we do that is we we pray a prayer and there's nothing special about the prayer, but it's just the beginning of a life of faith towards God. And the reason we do this is because there's a principle in the Bible about taking what you believe and pairing it with what you confess. And that is what makes this declaration that you put your faith in Jesus. Today, if if you're here, here, and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, to put your faith in him, to give your life to him, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. We're all going to pray the prayer together here at the end. And if you're like, yep, that's me. I want to put my faith in Jesus today. I want to believe that he's my Lord and Savior and he forgave my sins. I want you to pray it with belief in your heart, right? This is what it steps, it steps beyond understanding something, right? But it actually says, okay, I'm going to believe this. Kids, same with you here. If you're here today and and you want to put your faith in Jesus and believe that he died on the cross for your sins to forgive you of all your sins, you also can pray this prayer and believe in your heart that it's real today. So let's do this. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes today. And I'm gonna lead in a prayer and just everyone very simply repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I recognize I've lived my own life. I've done my own thing. And today, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash them away and make me brand new. Today, I put my faith in you. I believe that you are my savior, that you died on the cross for my sins, that your blood paid the price for my sins so that I can be forgiven. I give my life to you. You're my Lord and you're my God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Come on. If you pray that prayer today for the very first time, I just want to say welcome home. And when we do this, can we put our hands together for those that pray that prayer for the first time today?